0: It's Sunday Social, an hour dedicated to social media with Vaughan Davis. Forget the time or place where we just met, she's just the girl for me, and I want all the world to see we've met. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Had it been another day, I might have looked the other way, and I'd have never been aware. But as it is, I'll dream of her tonight.
1: Welcome to Sunday Social. That song's officially older than me, but it has not lost an inch of its energy for all those years. Is energy measured in inches, Saskia? She's Googling it. I don't think it is. Measured in joules, probably. Hasn't measured it... Hasn't lost a, a joule, a joule of its energy in all those years. I've just seen a face from the Beatles. I'm born, Davis with you right through here till 8 o'clock. The show is Sunday Social, episode number 221. We've been talking about social media, the internet, apps, technology, innovation in New Zealand for a long time now. And you know what? We never run out of stuff to talk about. I would love you to be part of the show. Text me 3920, keyword live. That'll ping up on one of the many, many screens in the heart of the news hub here in front of me. You can tweet me, at Vaughan Davis, or you can tweet at Communico, because that's the Twitter handle of my second-half guest, Julian Waters. You'll be familiar with him if you are a regular listener. He and I are going to be talking about drones, a good news drone story for a change. A new way to choose wine. That'd be good. Nothing worse, nothing worse than choosing a bad bottle of wine or a bottle of wine that doesn't go with what you're eating. And apps for catching rats. And no, that is not uh, throw your phone at the rat. There is a high-tech way to use the internet, social media, crowdfunding, all of those things together to catch rats. Isn't that cool? First, though...
2: Exits to freeways twisted like knots on the fingers... Jewels cleaving skin between breasts.
1: Imagine, if you will, that you could visit some of the world's most significant historical sites or see the greatest artworks up close without ever leaving your home or classroom. That's the reality right now, thanks to virtual reality. And Kiwi company Reality Virtual is leading the charge. It's head honcho Simon Sherdeboer joins me via phone. Simon, welcome to the show.
0: Uh, Thank you. Thank you very much.
1: Reality Virtual, tell me about it in a nutshell.
0: Well, in a nutshell, we we, we basically are in the business of encapsulating moments in time, uh, what we refer to as slices of life. Uh, we're, we're very interested in essentially uh, capturing what makes a space, what it is, as, as, as far as we can tell perceptually. So our end goal is really simply to allow an experience that is not, too different than that of reality uh, the freedom of movement what we refer to as six degrees of freedom in VR we want to really give you a sense of, of a sense of place and time and whatever we actually end up basically demonstrating you know as, as whatever that project may ever be
1: so you uh, use yeah. you use a bunch of technologies to take people to places they're not actually in and trick them pretty much into, into thinking they are there. It just struck me, Simon, that you know what virtual reality is and I know what virtual reality is, but yeah. uh, there, are, there are probably people listening who don't know exactly what virtual reality is and what augmented reality is and what the difference is.
0: Right, right. So we, we, we deal with specifically what is referred to as true VR, or what is known as Six Degrees of Freedom tree, um, six degrees of freedom Virtual Reality, mm-hmm. which is basically the idea that it is not too indifferent than what you would experience in the real world. So uh, there's other forms of VR that kind of uh, cater for uh, what I'd really stress more would be 360 video, you know, most of the mobile stuff. Uh, what we're really delivering here is if we have not delivered you something that is indifferent to actual reality itself, we are not doing our job.
1: So tell me about the experience as a viewer. I mean, you, you described three sixty video and you know, that's that's become, you know, free and everyone can do it on their phone now, right? Facebook yeah, yeah. provides that just as a as an option, which three years ago was wow and now is pretty commonplace. Yeah, um, yeah. some of us have played with those little mobile phone viewers where we, you know, fold a bit of cardboard and put a couple of lenses in and, and see it's basically the the three, well, the, the, the three 360-degree equivalent of a Viewmaster. And, um, you know, listeners of my vintage will remember the, the 3D stereoscopic Viewmaster. Yep. How, how do we experience uh, what you create at Reality Virtual?
0: Um, currently, we mostly focus on the mid-range to high-end headsets, everything from an Oculus to a HTC Vive. Uh, Microsoft have recently released uh, their mixed reality platform, which uh, is, is far more accessible to the general consumer. Um, I guess you could say we're high to mid. In uh, saying that, though, mobile phones are now getting to the point that we're finally you know, starting to begin to transfer our, our content to the more uh, you know, lower end systems. And so pretty much, I can honestly say within a year, um, the vast, vast amount of individuals will be able to have easy access to this. Uh, right now, we definitely are more catered towards the enthusiasts and uh, you know education museums, um, you know parties who actually have a vested interest.
1: So talk uh, talk yeah, me talk yeah. me through it, um, and I know this you know bearing in mind very much that this is radio, uh, the yeah. theatre of the mind as uh, uh, yeah. as it was once described to me. Talk <laughs> talk me through the the experience of. Taking one of these virtual reality headsets, you mentioned the Oculus, yep. you mentioned the HTC Vive, both both of which are yep. sort of, I don't know, between five hundred and a thousand dollars. You've got one of yep. these. You've yep. got one of these things, and mm-hmm. you're going to take me to uh, a destination and and allow me to explore it. So t- talk me through the process that I would experience as a viewer.
0: Yeah, sure. Um, well, where we set ourselves apart from um, other parties in this realm is, is quite frankly, our level of detail. Mm-hmm. And so, when I was, the pl- if I'm to place you into the Nefertari's tomb, for example, which you know I recently did in Egypt not too long ago, uh, we have a few other locations in Egypt as well, which are just absolutely mind blowing mm-hmm. in, in regards to their quality and level of detail and realism. Basically, what you have is what we've created an experience, not too different to what would have been discovered when Nefertari had first been discovered. So, with our advanced pipelines, we're able to essentially remove all the artifacts of modern day um, that you get with these tombs, and you know, no smoking signs, uh, wooden planks on the floor, halogen lighting, all that kind of stuff. We're able to remove it all and keep it down, keep it to its kind of its raw elements. And so, what you'd experience is almost like as if you're, you know, visiting Nefertari in in 1913 when I believe it was discovered. Don't quote me on that. Um, I, I think it was a
1: few years earlier, according to one website I saw. Anyway, oh, okay, yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. My my bad. do apologize. Um, so, but what we're really trying to emphasize here is you're kind of going to a time um, as much as you are going to a place. So that, th- this
1: this is this is interesting. So just yeah. backpedaling a tiny bit. So. Yeah. I strap a headset uh, in front of my face. It obscures my vision completely. And instead of seeing the the radio live studio in front of me in 3D space, which, which, to be honest, Simon, is a pretty cool thing. Maybe you should do a a virtual reality experience for this. Uh, Maybe we should. Maybe we should. (laughs) Instead of seeing that, I'm suddenly seeing in front of me a wall of the tomb. If I move my head up, I see the ceiling of the tomb. If I move my head down, I see the floor and, and so on.
0: Yeah, it goes way better than that. Yeah. I mean, we're talking about literally your ability to lean in on every single crack until you can see literally the 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 grains in the ceramics, in the, in the plaster, and the concrete. Oh, sorry, rock. Um, and, and you, you know, the cool thing with Nefertari is they actually have a torch. And so parts of the tomb are completely delit. And so, you're able, you know, you're able to wander... In the darkness, and and turn your torch on, and really see it like how you'd see it as an explorer. On top of that, we also have 3D audio, which creates really amazing spatial auditory cues as to where you are. It's 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 a it's a honest to god simulation of how you'd be if you were actually there. Uh, people we've, you know put this on uh, can you know they'll happily spend forty five minutes and they're just. Uh, crawling along the floor and examining each and every little artifact and hieroglyphic—it's it, the level of detail that we do that really tricks the mind into making you feel like you are there.
1: It, it is interesting what you said, though. It's—it's it's not making you feel like you are there, you know, today in 2018. It's stripping away those modern artifacts to kind of make it
0: better than real, right? Exactly, exactly. And um, I can personally—I can personally vouch for that. So when I was there. Um, you know, the whole encapsulation of the experience was, you know, it was quite mind-blowing. I mean, you know, one, going to Egypt, two, you know, spending two days on location, taking thousands and thousands of photographs, essentially, to encapsulate it. Um, you know, I remember at all points there was five armed guards with AK-47s the whole entire time. That was a bit of a culture shock. Okay. Um, <laughs> yeah, coming from New Zealand. Um, and, you know, so the initial encapsulation of the environment and taking all the photos and, you know, acquisition of the set, it's very interesting. Uh, it's it's the way we did it uh, versus you know this is not 360 degree cameras. It's not a, you know a few single photos. I mean what we have here is actually a digital sub millimeter accurate you know um, preservation kind of. Um, avenue here of the space, and the VR is really just kind of a byproduct. So preservation
1: is really a really interesting word because, yeah. you know, God forbid there could be a, uh, I don't know if they have earthquakes in, in Egypt. Oh, they, um, they certainly do. Okay. Well, wow, which makes yeah. it amazing that yeah. they've got all these artefacts yeah. still. There could be an earthquake yeah. tomorrow. The, this, this tomb could get flattened, uh, yet it's preserved digitally so that anyone wants to uh, go back and, and visit it, they can, right?
0: Exactly, exactly. I mean, and also you've got to realise that with Nefertari in particular, they had actually um, kept it off public access for about 40, 50 years because they were so concerned with how much damage was being done due to, you know, quite frankly, human erosion. Like, you know, we all sweat, we all perforate, uh, The moisture in the air damages the paint and damages the hieroglyphics. And so, you know, to have this record now and to have it safe... And in the public trust is, is quite frankly an amazing thing.
1: Hey, after, means- after the break, I'm going to go into dangerous territory. I'm going to talk to Simon from uh, Reality Virtual about how exactly they do it, and I'm going to do it in a way that uh, hopefully doesn't uh, leave us all behind and, and, and confuse us to death back soon. Vaughn Davis,
0: hashtag Sunday Social, Radio Live.
1: Hey, Hashtag. Welcome back uh, with you right through till 8 o'clock when the Weekend Variety Wireless kicks off, of course. Welcome back, Simon Sherdeboer from uh, Reality Virtual. How are you? I'm good, I'm good. Good? Well, not not, not much is going to change in two and a half minutes, really, is it? You were you You were good before, you're good now, except you know of, of a few more quality products and services that you could purchase thanks to our, uh, our fine, fine advertising partners. Um, you were saying before the break that you were in Egypt. Creating a uh, a visual um, a virtual reproduction of the tomb of someone called Nefertari. How did you end up doing that? You know, a, a boy with a company on Queen Street in New Zealand finds himself in in uh, in the Egyptian desert uh, waving cameras
0: around. Uh, it wasn't even a company. I was actually working out of my bedroom.
1: <laughs> okay.
0: <laughs> so by by all definition, uh, a lean startup. Um, yeah, look, it was, it was quite frankly, um, you know, about, about yoga. Um, I, I was lucky enough to be the recipient of a grant from Epic Games, which is a US based um, uh, games company, and they basically dropped some money in the account that's been the work i have been doing and following on YouTube and Facebook and all the rest of it. And, mm-hmm. you know, it caught a lot of people's attentions overseas, and uh, they went, hey, look, you know, here's, here's 40K. I was like, Cool, I'm gonna book a trip to LA. <laughs> um and so I spent you know, I spent quite a few months in the States and travelled around and networked and all the rest of that jazz, did SeaGraph and all the other LA VR kind of conferences and um really just got to know the the folks around the area and um got connected and you know, look, and honestly it was the work. I mean You don't need to be a big entity. If you've you've found a way to do something that is quite frankly, you know, a magnitude and quality better than what other parties are doing, people are going to eventually notice you as long as you, you know, as as long as you keep on doing it. Yep. Um, Yeah. And uh, yeah, so the guys at Curiosity Stream, which is the founders of Discovery Channel, um, gave me a buzz and they said, hey, would you, you know, can you fly to Egypt for six days? I was like, yeah, sure. I can do that. Yeah, yeah, why not? Why not? Oh, dude, the, the jet lag was crazy. I mean, you know, it, it, it was it was a, it was a marathon. The trip itself, you know, we we scanned like four or five different locations in a period of six days, and that was I had to deal with three days flying there and three days flying back. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we actually finished back in November. Um, so we've been sitting on this, and a n- number of other experiences that, as soon as you know, be released to the public, um, that it's just going to blow people away.
1: So talk me through, without um, you know, falling into the trap of too much technical detail. Um, talk, talk me through how you create a a, a virtual replica of this tomb, because I, I know on on my phone or pretty much any phone, I can just go to Facebook and and hit the you know the 360 thing and yeah. move around in a circle, and I've I've captured this. Sort of, you know, relatively high-res, navigable uh, facsimile of, of the studio here. Tell me what you do.
0: Well, what we do is we we're not doing 360. We once again we do what's referred to as six degrees of freedom. Like, so we're we're actually so
1: so so so, so to pull back 360. Yeah. Is giving the view from one point, either you're either head, by you, you're,
0: yeah, you're a head on a stick basically, yeah, uh, um, and you're stuck in. And, and so what's happened really, I mean, it's a bit of a touchy subject for me personally. Is um, we've had a lot of people release content that essentially isn't actual VR. And so what's happened is people have had a, a slight false illusion of what VR actually is. Yeah. What we do is the ability that I mean, when I say you can freely move. You can freely navigate. You can look at every nook and cranny that you like. Uh, you can get in close down to the fibres of, of the painting. Or yeah, I, I mean, I've, I've seen this. I in the mean,
1: in, yeah. in Nefertari's yeah. tomb, as far as I can tell, there are you know, particles of dust suspended in the air that yeah, you can, you exactly. can see. So, so how are you doing this? It's, if it's not one big 360 scan, well, what's the process you're going through in, the, in these two days? <clears throat> I
0: guess I'd say it's massive data acquisition. So you know, we're we're half a VR company, we're half a data company. We are in the business of acquiring as much data as possible, so we can do a, a fair representation of what reality is at any given point in that time.
1: So what does that mean in in terms that uh, most people don't understand? Does um, this mean you're taking doing a lot of measurements and taking a lot of photos?
0: A, a hell of a lot of photos. I mean, with have never We 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 probably took uh, approximately. Well, actually, we did take approximately. 4,500 photos, mm-hmm. um, and we got from that what's referred to as a point cloud, which was um, 6.4 billion points in detail in space.
1: 6.4 and billion?
0: Billion, yeah, and that, that's on the low thing. I mean, we could, have, we could have, you know, if we wanted our computers to turn through, um, you know, love NVIDIA, they keep giving us cards, which is great, because our computers are having to process this like crazy. Mm-hmm. So we had it, you know, the computer will spend a week going through all that data, and it will produce something... You know, between six billion to twenty billion. Like the, the biggest we've done is twenty four billion, and it's insane. Like the, you know, at some point you're actually getting too much detail that you don't, don't actually need it for the experience.
1: Because um, because so you're going beyond what the human eye can see.
0: Exactly, exactly. Yeah, yeah.
1: So you you've got this you've got this tomb, Nefertari's tomb. It is yep. online now. Am I correct?
0: Yep, you can download it on Steam. Steam. So, so. Can, I, can, I, can I interject on this? Though this is amazing. It's the 11th high, highest rating app on Steam. Steam is a games platform, and we have an experience which is an educational experience. There's 11th on the ratings right now for June and July, uh, and this is this is competing with Counter Strike and whatever the kids play today. It's it's an amazing thing to see. I, th- I, th- I, th- I think pretty much the way.
1: kids play Fortnite and nothing else.
0: Well, yeah, I know, I know. But <laughs> <laughs>
1: So so who who's using this? I mean this this it's kind of it's it's kind of the dream of the internet and technology. You know, 20, 30 years ago we thought we'd be using it for educational purposes. And yep. sure yep. enough, here we are. Who would have thought? Yep. Who who's yep. who's downloading this? Who's using it? Who's experiencing it? Who's wandering round Nefertari's tomb?
0: Well, oh, this is the thing. Everyone thought that VR was going to be a continuation of gaming, and I always knew that VR was a continu- was this idea of slice of life, like living... Um, oh, God, that, what's that movie? Um, uh, something, Malkovich. M- 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 oh, you know... Um, oh, John kind of Malkovich. Like? Yeah. Being, yes, being John right, Malkovich. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hmm. yeah exactly, exactly. So this is what I was really excited about VR. When I saw this in 2014, when I first got into this, I realised what we were offering in VR was not you know, RPG gaming, shoot 'em ups all that kind of stuff. What we're offering is people the ability to be in spaces and places and meet faces that they otherwise could not. And so we're literally offering slices of life. So for me, being in New Zealand, as I imagine a lot of New Zealanders have, it's it's very hard to get out of this country. Uh, Before I did any of this, I'd barely travelled. I mean, at all. Like, like, and now anyone can essentially experience this.
1: Well, well, Um, you know, to, to your earlier point... You know, we can we can travel to Egypt and look in a tomb without the uh, slightly worrying thought of, of four guys with AK-47s hanging yep, around, yep. Uh, keeping an eye. On, you know, so suddenly you go to scratch yep, your nose yep. and you get your hand shot off. So you've taken us to Egypt. Where are you going to take us next?
0: Well, funnily enough, um, we're keeping our next project relatively local. Uh, we do have a number of projects from Egypt that are coming out in succession after this, uh, which I obviously can't talk about um, because they're pretty high-profile. Pro- high mm-hmm. um, but from from our perspective, like as a local entity, um, we are working on uh, one project, uh, thanks to the New Zealand Film Commission, called al Terro Discovered, mm-hmm. where we're going to a number of high-profile locations and making a bit of a series. Where we talk about pre-colonial um, New Zealand, and we, we, we're creating an element that feels as if, you know, basically as if you're there before any, pre, you know, any colonial uh, took place. And so, you know, we've been looking at Free Sisters and um, Cathedral Cove and Pihā and another number of beautiful locations. Uh, we're also working with some other stuff, uh, which I really can't talk about in Wellington here. Um, some very prestigious. Um, uh, buildings uh, in Wellington, that's all I'm going to say, uh, and yeah, and the, but the big thing, the big thing we're really excited about is, so we're, we've been playing with a technique called deep learning, mm-hmm. um, and I don't want to get too technical with, with the you know, audience, obviously, um, but we're pretty confident with enough data, we're going to be able to recreate Christchurch Cathedral in its, in its original form.
1: No, that's kind of interesting. So I'm yeah. going to guess that uh, because you can't, un- unlike your tomb project, you can't go in there and take photos of it now. Well, that might help you a yep. little bit. Uh, you're going to have to source a heck of a lot of photos and footage that was recorded in the last 50 years and use that to create your environment, right?
0: Exactly, exactly. Um, so there's there's two technologies that are really pushing it there: Photogrammetry, which is the technique we use to have the photos in the first place but where deep learning comes in. And, um, so Miles Thompson, uh, from Good Dwight Consulting, he's, um, he's came on board with us recently in this project. He, now he, he was actually a choir boy. Uh,
1: of course he day. was.
0: Yeah. 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 And so he, he told me these amazing stories about like, you know, how they had these graffiti little itchings with, um, of a choir boys for a hundred years. had like scratched in like, uh, notes into the woodwork and all that kind of jazz. And, uh, you know, so he's really passionate about this. And so, what we can do is essentially the more data we get from Christchurch Cathedral, from let's say, past videos, past photographs, um, anything from a hundred years ago to present day—not well, mm-hmm. present day, but you're not—you're not—you know, 2011, obviously. Um, we're able to throw all that into the computer, and the computer basically goes—I I hate to use layman terms, but it goes nom nom nom, <laughs> just you know, it goes, give me data. Go- gobbles it gobbles it gobble, up. Gobble gobble yeah. gobble nom, nom, mum, and. From that, it's able to kind of fundamentally understand what it's looking at. And so when we're missing data or missing information, let's say there's a wall missing or something like that, it's able to go, well, I've looked at all these other walls. I think this wall should look like this.
1: Because that that's um, the sort of bricks that they are being made of. So before too yeah. long, when this um, project comes to fruition, in, in much the same way that we can, we can visit... Um, Egypt without the guys with the AK-47s will be able to visit Christchurch without the horror of actually going to Christchurch. Hey, uh, Simon Simon, Simon from uh, Reality Virtual, thank you so much for joining me tonight on the show. How can people find more about your work?
0: Well, uh, we are doing a public call for action in regards to Christchurch Cathedral, and we would love, if anyone has anything, I mean, you can just visit our site, which is realityvirtual.co, mm-hmm. but otherwise, realityvirtual.co slash Christchurch.
1: Look at that. Hey, thank you so much for joining me tonight on Sunday Social. Awesome. Thank you, sir. After the break, Mr. Julian Waters joins me for the apps, websites and social media news of the week. Back soon.
0: Connecting you to the future of the internet. Internet. It's Sunday Social with Vaughan Davis.
1: Hey, welcome back to Sunday Social. And you can listen back to that whole entire interview with uh, Simon from Reality Virtual at radiolive.co.nz under Shows and Sunday Social, if you're into that. Or, of course, it's a uh, podcast at iTunes. Julian Waters, welcome to the show. Thank you, Vaughan. Are you a virtual reality fan? Not really. I haven't
2: yet discovered that one magical use for it, that...
1: You sort of struggle with actual reality, don't you? I mean, is, is, is that fair to say? Fair comment.
2: Fair comment. I, I think I prefer I prefer reality re, reality to virtual or otherwise. I think
1: once you master once yes. you master the actual reality, we <laughs> might uh, we might begin experimenting with virtual. But I think the the idea he was talking about of not just going somewhere and going ooh, ah I'm in a in a tomb you know Nef- Nefertari's tomb um, the idea that we are preserving it for all time and protecting it against whatever might happen to it in the real world, you know, so if it gets blown up by a terrorist attack it it matters, but it doesn't matter as much because you can still visit it.
2: Yep, that's a good point I mean, I guess if you you think of it as an extension of travelling places via Google Earth, which I'm inclined to do quite often uh, given that I don't really get around there too much uh, around the world too often in real life, um, yeah, it's that kind of virtual reality, making a better experience of that sounds great
1: now we—I don't know. If, do you listen to the show when you're not on it? Here's a bit. Here's a bit of, here's a, bit of a, a tough question. Do you? Do you?
2: I probably should. Oh, so that's a no. I used to look for it on the uh, podcast. I don't know if it's so no. There.
1: It is. It is still totally there on the podcast. Oh, the, the reason I wanted to mention it is there is. Uh, I'm just looking at the notes from last week. There was a great. Um, it's a great show. It is a very good show. There's a great website um, that you can follow. You can. You can travel. Um, the world trying to guess where you are on Google Maps.
2: Oh, wow. That sounds like fun. And
1: I can't find the name of it. Uh, it is really cool. So it's it's a game. You could you could do it with the kids. Well, Although yeah. they'd, they'd be going from a pretty low base, probably not having travelled to much of the world. No. And it just
2: it just throws up a picture from Google Street View, and you have to guess where that is on a map. Oh, wicked. It's okay. quite neat. You know what I'm going to do? I am going to re-listen to all the, the recent shows of... Sunday social with Warren Davis, and uh, find that link because I really want to. Well, I'm sure
1: sure I can find it. Uh, It's called GeoGuessr, actually. GeoGuessr, except G-U-E-S-S-R. GeoGuessr. It's lots of fun, and then you know sometimes there'll be there might be a street sign which makes it easier. Although be careful, just because the Spanish doesn't mean you're in
2: Spain. Yes. Absolutely. They, hey, they, they colonised the world as did the English.
1: It felt like la- la- last year, last year it felt like we were talking about uh, voice assistants every other show. So uh, Amazon Alexa or Amazon Echo with Alexa, um, Google Home with mm-hmm. Google Assistant and uh, and Apple HomePod with Siri, of course. And it, it's been a couple of weeks since we've talked about one of those, but this one's popped up. Um, this is a story about... Alexa, which is the the um, the helper, the artificially intelligent helper agent that sits inside your um, your Amazon Echo smart speaker, and this is designed to help you match wine. Are you do you do you
2: struggle with matching wine? I don't drink alcohol, so no. But it's a good. Did thing I know to that?
1: Know. Have you stopped? Have you stopped drinking alcohol?
2: Have you, drunk, you never drunk alcohol? No, oh, I wouldn't say never, but not in a long time. Oh, you're, you're yeah. so gregarious. Yes, exactly. See, I don't need it. You're just I don't gregarious need it. without it. But, but, you know, sometimes it, I do think having a nice glass of wine with, you know, matching food would, would be a nice thing to be able to do.
1: But the problem but, is, what is matching food? Well, uh, yeah, turns out exactly. Amazon has uh, an answer to that. Have a listen to this.
2: Alexa, open Wine Finder.
1: Wine Finder here. I can suggest the perfect wine to go with different kinds of food. Just say what wine goes well with, followed by the name of the type of food. What wine goes well with blue cheese? A wine for blue cheese. Okay, a really great wine to drink with blue cheese is Vionnet. I hope that helps. If you want another suggestion, just ask. What wine goes well with nachos? I love nachos. Okay, a really great wine to drink with nachos is Sauvignon Blanc or Yay! Sauvignon. Yay for hope... Sauvignon Blanc! Go New Zealand! Mm. Don't you think? Um, uh, oh, I don't know. It's kind of like asking Stephen Hawking what he, you know. What he recommends for a good pair of running shoes? Um, <laughs> what does? What, and it sounds like it. What does? What does a computer really know? I don't know. Oh, I don't
2: know. I, guess, guess you, yeah, I mean, you can always search Google for these sorts of things, so it just takes one step out of the equation. Yeah, you
1: know. that's absolutely right. So so the um the advantage of these smart speakers, and I have one in my kitchen and in my office, in fact, is you can be walking around, you know, making making the nachos or whatever you're doing, and you don't have to stop what you're doing and go over to your, your laptop or your phone or your iPad and type all this stuff in. You just say, you know, hey, Google, what goes well with this? And it gives you the answer, which is quite cool. The thing, thing I worry about, well, I, on, on the one hand, I worry about it. On the other hand, I think it's a marketing opportunity because, as you know, uh, I work closely with Invivo Wines and Graham Norton. Fantastic company. A fantastic company in my day job. Um, I worry that when you ask this speaker for a recommendation and the speaker gives you a recommendation, you go, was that true or was that an ad?
2: Exactly. I wondered exactly the same thing because that's the only way these things can pay for themselves, right? Yeah. By taking advertising. Yeah. Which skews their the fairness of their recommendations? Totally. I, I guess on the surface level, if it's just saying Sauvignon Blanc, it's not telling you which you know where, where you should get it from. No, that's, that
1: that might have been funded by the you know the Savignon Blanc
2: producers oh, association, mm. which is
1: pretty much all New Zealand winemakers. But it's interesting. It's mm. interesting. I'll give it a go, and I'll try and I'll try and get my uh, try and get my client in, in there as a uh, as as a wine influencer. Now you've got a drone story, and unlike most drone stories which as as a um a pilot of actual airplanes myself i, I just find that you know horrible little bastards that are going
2: to one day kill me um this is a positive one indeed indeed we often talk about how dangerous they can be and in built up places like where we live they commonly are but in this instance uh a gentleman by the name of Rick Allen was climbing a very high mountain in Pakistan.
1: Oh well let's just stop right there. I was very mm. very very impressed. The guy's 65 years old mm. and he was climbing, uh, what is it, the world's 12th highest mountain. 65 yes. years old climbing the world's 12th highest mountain. Actually looking at it, it's, it's kind of no wonder he fell off. <laughs> he fell off.
2: He fell from an ice cliff. <clears throat> at 20, at 26,000 feet. Yes and he was missing for thirty-six uh, over 36 hours. So you could imagine, I watched one of those, you know, disaster movies about climbing mountains um, not that long ago. I think it was a documentary. Um, and, and, you know, you, you sort of imagine on the one hand you could get in a helicopter and fly around, but maybe that's not practical or possible. Or, um, so so they, these uh, uh, Polish guys uh, deployed their high-tech drone um, to, to sort of fly around and find him, and they successfully did. So they were able to then radio his team who were, I guess, not too far away, but further than where they could see him and say, hey, look, that's where he is. And they were able to go and you know take him some food and
1: and, and, he, and he was rescued and take take him, take him back to the UK and promised never to climb another mountain again. Huh. Yeah, I guess the, so. the thing, one mm. of the things that interested me is the drone they used, and I don't know if it made into my notes, but it was it was an off the shelf. It wasn't some special. Yeah, it was mount- a D,
2: DJI Maverick Pro.
1: Yeah, Mavic Pro. Which you you can buy one of these down the Noel Leeming. Hmm. So in two thousand eighteen, you can buy you can buy something down the Noel Leeming that will basically locate and rescue people from the tops of the world's highest mountains. It's
2: intriguing, isn't it? But you know, if you're going to buy one, um, Vaughan, Vaughan Davis, Sunday Social with Vaughan Davis recommends that you take it to a mountain where there are no planes flying around. Yeah,
1: stay well clear of uh, built-up areas, uh, aerodromes, and uh, and human beings other than lost mountaineers. Now you might remember this. I was just I was just googling this while you were talking. Um, have you ever heard of a, a New Zealand autonomous helicopter called the Snark? Hmm,
2: Doesn't ring any bells. Doesn't ring a
1: bell. You're too young. Um, <laughs> ten years ago, yes. Ten, <coughs> ten years ago, there was a series of um, increasingly unlikely technology stories that came out, and my 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 skeptic radar went beep 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 beep. Um, this this company came up with a thing called the Snark, which was a full. This is a New Zealand company. Came up with a, like a, a pl- an MDF mock-up of a full-sized autonomous helicopter. This is before you could even have a you know drone the size of a shoebox that was going to rescue people from the tops of mountains. Ah,
2: okay.
1: And the whole thing ended up uh, in in a, in a horrible shambles. Um, it was oh. it was going to be uh, diesel powered. Satellite controlled. Uh, oh, and also uh, have full stealth capabilities, automatic weapon systems, including rocket launchers. Mm. Did they?
2: Uh, oh gosh, I just people went. To... People went to jail. Yes, people went to jail. Indeed.
1: Hey, we should. Uh, we should take a quick break because we have got, so, got so much to cover. We have got so much to cover tonight. After the break, the apps and websites you just cannot do without. Back soon. Sunday social. Hey, welcome back to Sunday Social, Vaughn Davis with Julian Waters right through till eight o'clock. Hey, Julian, we were talking in the break about that Snark helicopter. and it's really easy to make these judgments in hindsight and say, oh yeah, I never thought that thing would uh, would would take off. Well, literally it never did <laughs> never did take off. I think it was made of MDF. Um, and we got to talking about the share market, which reminded me of this this um, story you were telling me about about how Twitter bots are gaming the share market and harming corporate reputation. Tell me about that. I mean, I've heard about how bots can influence elections, but what about the share market?
2: Well, exactly. And on the surface, this probably doesn't sound like the most riveting thing to be listening to on Sell your it. Sunday evening. Sell it. Evening. Sell it. But it's really important. If... You have money invested in stocks, which I'm sure many of you great listeners do. I do. Yeah. Or... or Even the institutions that you put your money, um, perhaps uh, Well, your your KiwiSaver, your your
1: KiwiSaver in almost every fund will have a degree degree of exposure to local and
2: international share markets. So most of us are KiwiSaver members. Sure. So it's sort of well established that share prices can go up and down for sometimes random reasons. But what if those reasons are a little less random? What if they are because share market firms, monitoring firms and people that are sort of actively working in the markets... Get their information from certain sources that now rely on social media. So what people tweet about brands, and if there's a whole lot of negative stuff going on around a brand or company, they will sell those shares. The value will decrease. Yeah. Uh, if what if you were able to create that artificially? Artificially. What if you had this whole army of fake social media accounts, and you could short a stock? You could, you know, bet that it's going to decrease in price, and then set all your bots to work. Uh, that would knowing the way that people monitored shares that that would have a fairly uh, immediate and and guaranteed impact on the value
1: or, or, or vice versa i could um sure. i could buy you know a uh, hundred shares in, in spark let's say and get my my social media bot army to Start putting out endlessly positive stories about Spark. The little mon- monitoring uh, programs that the the sharebrokers and the institution have would would see that as positive sentiment, and they'd buy more. Am I am the value of my investment would go up? I'm going to do this.
2: Is anyone doing it? <laughs> well, Ro- Russia did it with the U.S. election in a sort of a parallel situation, and it you is. You'd have to wonder if they didn't have. Yeah, I mean, they must be doing it. People must be doing it.
1: Well, your, your, your point, your, the story you're telling me for out of the States is that they are doing it.
2: Sure, yeah. There's a one of these data, uh, they're called Signal Zign- Labs, um, where they do monitoring of this sort. Um, and, they've, yeah, they have started to see these anomalies, what, the, what they would call an anomaly that they just totally can't explain. And they sort of traced, traced it um, to its source and realised it was a, a massive amount of bot activity. Um, and, yeah, it's been having a real impact. Uh, Often, I, I, I guess, in a lot of cases, this could be sort of on the margins. So, if you are sort of buying shares and holding them for years, it, it perhaps in doesn't, the grand scheme doesn't of things, matter so much. We'll but it, out.
1: If, if you're one of those filthy dirty day traders that you read about, then mm. this is where it could have an impact, right? You know, sure. a whole bunch of positive or negative stories come out at uh, breakfast time, and you've made your transaction by lunchtime, and you know, by the time the market corrects itself, you've made a big, uh, a big profit. Tell you, tell you what mm. though. Um, this this could be the one that you know gets the whole idea of bots and uh, fake social media influence really looked at carefully because you know it is affecting people's back pockets and certainly in the states when that is happening um, it
2: draws a bit of attention right? Sure, you know it's like forget forget the election exactly forget the election but you know if you mess with my money yeah I, I mean I, I know one or two day traders and sometimes I think geez that looks like oh, a great way to you? make a living do oh you? yeah yeah, got guys that go to the gym during the day like me because they, you know, can get up early and work and that sort of thing. And uh, yeah, it, it just looks like such an attractive profession. But if Pro- it's. Profession. Yeah, well, what way to make money? But, you know, if people in that business are going to be manipulating things through the power of all these social media bots, then yeah, maybe it's not the game for Joe Average to be playing.
1: Because you, you just cannot, you, just, can't you just cannot forecast the value. Mm-hmm. Hey, um,. Moving totally away from that, although it's not, it's not a uh, it's not a great leap to make between uh, people who are day traders on the share market to uh, introduce pest species such as rats, <laughs> um, rats and the role of social media, crowdfunding and technology in catching them. I think this is really really cute. So rats are an enormous problem in New Zealand. I get them in the ceiling sometimes in Ponsonby. Even in Ponsonby? Occasionally. Occasionally. Or maybe they're just mice. They sound like, they, they in fact, they don't sound like rats. They sound like kangaroos. The occasional kangaroo, two kangaroos mating in the ceiling. Imagine that. Um, turns out there's an app for that. And this is called Squawk Squad. So what Squawk Squad have done is develop this platform of smart, connected rat traps. There's a, there's a lot of moving parts here, but I think it's very cool. I should get them on the show and talk to them. So they've got these rat traps, which are smart in themselves, they're like these resettable rat traps. They have built a better rat trap. it's gas powered, boom,
2: rat dies, rat falls out.
1: and the rat trap is connected to the
2: internet. which is kind of cool. I mean, everything <clears> needs <throat> to be connected to the internet now.:
1: It does because otherwise how can the rat trap go on Tinder and and meet <laughs> and meet other rat traps? No it's connected to the internet so that every time it catches a rat, it says, "Hey, I caught a rat." And why is that good? Well, that is good not just so the um, so Docker, whoever's got the network of, of of rat traps, can know that the the trap has caught a rat, but so the individuals who funded that rat trap get to know that their rat trap just caught a rat. So these these rat traps um, are crowd funded through a platform called Squawk Squad. They cost three hundred and sixty-five dollars each. That's You know, that's quite an expensive rat trap. Let's be honest. So you can say I'll have half a rat trap or a quarter of a rat trap. And once once it gets to 365, they they roll out another rat trap, and you get to know when it catches a rat.
2: I mean, I think this is just this is just fantastic. I've seen this kind of. I I suppose the the broad concept here is a little like the you know uh, adopt a child. I don't know if World Vision or whoever still does that.
1: A dollar a day.
2: Yeah, the dollar a day thing. Maybe that's
1: where the 365 (laughs) dollars came
2: from. Actually, yeah, yeah maybe, maybe just- So they priced it. But, um, but, but the idea of making a donation to something but then having the real direct sort of impact of what that donation's done fed back to you in this way, it just, just sounds just absolutely sensational. You make your donation, you're part of one particular rat trap, and then every time that rat trap catches something, you hear about it. I mean, I just think that's just, I just think so neat. I
1: think it's quite neat. And you, you get to see where it is on a map. I don't know how, mm. how detailed it is. I don't know if you could put on your tramping boots and, you to know, find your, w- your walk trap. out into the ranges and find your rat trap. But it might be nice, you know, in the, in the same way that, uh, you know, people sometimes travel to Africa and, and meet their sponsored child. Oh, do you know what it reminds me of? Uh, well, you, you see, we've already established that you don't drink alcohol. But mm. uh, let's talk particularly about a single malt whiskey that you do not drink um, called Laphroaig. Okay. okay. Very nice stuff. And they have this um, genius genius marketing thing where every bottle of Laphroaig that you buy, and guess what I'm going to have when I get home, um, (laughs) comes with a a certificate of title for one square foot of uh, land on the peat bogs around the distillery. (laughs) And the the idea being, um, theoretically, and I'm I'm sure they'll deliver on this because they they make quite a big deal of this promise, that uh, should you visit the Laphroaig distillery, they'll give you a map and give you a pair of gumboots and uh, say, it's over there. and you go, you go, go walking over there until you find your your square foot. I, I've got about an acre now.
2: I was going to say, uh, I presume they don't make too much of the stuff. They'd lose well, no, they lose their bulk. Oh no,
1: they make quite a lot of it. Um, I think I think it's really cool. Of course, in in the modern age, you'd do this with with Google Earth, wouldn't you? Mm,
2: yeah. You'd, you'd, you'd go this, there yes, yes.
1: and stand on your spot and look around, and you see all these other sort of middle aged white guys looking around as well, going, "Oh, this is this is my this is my spot." <laughs> problem is they're not contiguous like you you know my my spots that they're, they're scattered they're scattered sure. all, all over the peat
2: bog what use is that well How earthly use is that <laughs> i mean i don't know if you're playing battleships or something with other people who oh that's true whiskey, that's maybe? true
1: <laughs> you just you just you just you just sunk my aircraft carrier <laughs> with um with 1 square foot of peat bog that's kind of fun that's kind of fun now you said you did the homework this week so i'm going to call you on it um did you have a look at my simple dumb game of the week
2: <laughs> you know, I, I pulled this thing up. You know, I did the homework, but I, when it comes to simple dumb games, I just can't contribute as well. You know, I just don't feel like I'm on your level, Thorn. You're not you dumb know. enough. Uh, well, it's just, you know, I, I pulled it up in the... Uh, so it's called uh, line, Rider. Line, line Rider.
1: Line Rider. Rider.com.
2: Yeah, I've got it open in my app, and it says draw a line, and I tried to... Oh, I see. I've got to get the pencil. Yeah, so you, you
1: draw a line, you push go, and this little dude on a sled just goes down the line. And what happens to him comes down to the design of your line... And gravity and friction, and it is really simple, really dumb. And by dumb, I mean you know it d- doesn't have any features. But I think it's really cool. It's endlessly fascinating. You go, oh, well, I, want, I wonder how, what sort of slope I need to make for the little guy on the um, on the sled to you know to to, to clear that obstacle or to, to to go up high in the sky and not not crash horribly. I think it's neat. You don't like it? Uh, I, I got it now. I you got, got it. it working. It's, it's you working, got it on working. The You got it working. Yeah. Like, so the name of it is Line Rider. It came out in two thousand and six, and a among gaming aficionados, it is considered a classic. Aspects of it uh, are, are still going strong in games that are being made today, and it's being used to teach physics, as mm-hmm. well. You can kind of you can kind of uh, imagine how that would be. I can't believe
2: we've nearly run out of time. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, you're, playing, you're playing Line Rider, aren't you? I'm trying to. I can't quite figure it out, but no doubt there's people listening who love it.
1: No, so, well, no I'm, one, I'm one of them. Game of the Week, linerider.com. Hey, thank you so much. In the first half, all the way from Egypt, Simon Shedabua from Reality Virtual. Julian Waters from all over the place. Thank you so much. Saskia in the booth. I'm Bourne Davis. Next up is the Weekend Variety wireless 9090 night